You're listening to Dave and Dia, a podcast about basketball, life, and the Portland Trailblazers. Please keep all hands and arms inside the window and welcome your hosts, Dave Decker and Dia Miller. Hi, guys. You are listening to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I am Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Decker. Dave, how's it going? Well, as we record this, we are what? We are Seasons Eve Eve. Is that correct? Uh, we got, well, I mean, for the NBA, two, two the season, yeah, the season starts tomorrow for the NBA. Does it, does it start tomorrow? For or the NBA. Because- right. Yeah. <laughs> NBA games start on Tuesday, right? I, I know. Except it's not NBA without Blazers. I get it. And then, yeah, <laughs> Portland, Utah tips on Wednesday. So we are two days away and that's always exciting. How are you feeling as the season ramps up? You know, I feel like it's a terrible analogy. Maybe it's a perfect analogy given the time of year, (laughs) but I feel like a kid on Christmas Eve. I am so excited. It's funny because we had these four preseason games and for me, preseason might as well be regular. I mean, I get just as excited about preseason as I do about the regular season. So I'm excited, but I've been in a state of excitement for the last two weeks. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see some, some blazer basketball. I'm ready for games to start counting. I'm ready to stop hearing people saying, well, it's just preseason guys. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, last year, someone was naughty because Santa brought Mario Hazonia, but I mean, <laughs> next year or this year, hopefully it will be, uh, it will be a bag full of goodies, wins and wins and wins, maybe at least some defense, hopefully, certainly the ability to pass to anyone on the floor and not be too nervous, definitely. So, I mean, we'll have to see how far that goes, but you know, the outlook is certainly more hopeful than it was at this time last season. Yeah, I did not catch the last two preseason games against Denver. Now, we talked last week about <laughs> the first two preseason games. Were you? Was that intentional? Catch. Were you like preserving your optimism? Oh, crap. Two possessions in, you just uh, blindfold, turn it off, la la la, <laughs> turn up the Christmas music. No, no, I, that's not how I do games. I do games that will be down 50 points with three minutes left. And I'm like, we're still going to win, guys. We're still going to win. Not that we are down 50 points. We're, we're just not going to, we're not going to look at that as an option. But if that were the case, I would still be positive. They were. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much Denver game two right there. there well, I see, mean, I missed it. I, I missed it. I don't remember. They got down like 40. They were at least close to 40. Oh, man. Well, you know, I have little kids and it's the Christmas season. And so I had to take full advantage of the time I had with them. We were out doing Christmassy things. Do not show your little kids Denver Portland game two of the preseason. (laughs) That's like mean. No, we were we we were out. I want to specify by saying out given the current state of our country. We were out in our car looking at Christmas lights. So we were being safe. We had two nights of kind of Christmas tradition things going on. And Given that it's preseason, I decided that that was more important. So I missed those two games, but I was kind of following along on Twitter <laughs> in between, and Blazers Twitter was not happy. So I got I got the idea that we did not play well. Right, and wait, can we qualify? Let's back up for a second. Given that it was preseason, that was more important? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you and I both have kids, right? right. Preseason, regular season, playoffs, 
the kids are more important. I mean, we can arrange it to where that doesn't conflict, right? That's our job as parents and sports writers. But when it comes down to it, right, it doesn't matter that it's preseason. The kids are always number one, yeah? I mean, yes. Oh, she hesitated. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so oh man. I, it depends on how much they've cried that day. Oh, send <laughs> me. Okay, here we go. Do this. Okay. If your children are having a bad day and the Blazers are on, just send me your children. I'll sit with your kids and my kids. We will play games. We will sing. We will crochet little beanbag things. And you watch the game and you cover the game. And they were good. Yeah, you know, it's I love them. And they're obviously the priority. But I'll tell you, there are days where uh, I definitely schedule things around the Blazer games. Because... <laughs> That's also a high priority on my list. I understand. My children are used to uh, eat now and eat fast and then go do something. <laughs> yeah, or or eat in front of the TV and cheer for the correct team, children. That's right. Oh, the correct <laughs> team. Oh, boy. See, now, my, my son has grown up with this, right? So he's adopted the Blazers. He watches, watches with me, helps analyze. He talks and stuff like that, which is great. But he's just hit his teenage years, literally just turned into a teenager. And I am scared. He knows. When he turns 14, 15, 16, he will know that all he has to do is bring up that team from Los Angeles in some positive light and he will get dad's goat. So like I live in mortal fear. I've tried to downplay it a little bit, but I can tell this is coming. Dad, I'm a Lakers fan. Not in my house, you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fighting an uphill battle with that one because... I've got family members and the kids have family members that are Laker fans. And so we're just really, really trying to make the Blazers cool. My daughter said to me, I don't know what brought it on. And I'm afraid to ask what brought it on. But she said, she looked at me and said, mom, are you and Damian Lillard friends? <laughs> I was like, let's just not tell her that I'm not as cool as she thinks I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, de it depends on how I talk about him on a given day, actually, honey. But right. yeah, in general, sure, we're all friends with Damian Lillard. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to think so. Let me tell but you a story. I a long time ago, <laughs> an angel came to the coach <laughs> in Utah just, and said, just, you will have a superstar. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep them as positive and as connected to the Blazers as possible. You know, this is the age where I dress them in Blazers gear. They don't have a choice. And I just kind of hope it sticks. I read somewhere or somebody told me that kids teams are developed or like chosen between like the ages of three and six or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully. not bad. I mean, look, here's how it goes. Now we're now we've become a parenting podcast, but that's all right. <laughs> So here's how it goes. Zero through 11 and a half, you've got them and they love you and they want to make you happy and they'll do the thing, right? Somewhere between 12 and, you know, 19, you don't know crap. I mean, it's just like whatever. But then here's, and I've seen this happen over and over again, like somewhere around 25 they go, yeah, everything I learned as a kid was right, with a slightly different flavor. And so your children will raise their own children, probably, as Blazer fans, absent another meteoric event somewhere, uh, like, you know, the Lakers get Damian Lillard or something. Oh, Lordy, don't, we can't, no, you, I, nope. nope. You can't even, you can't, you, the, okay. The, He'd new be closer to you. Rule, new podcast rule, 
No putting Damian Lillard in other teams' uniforms until he's actually in those teams' uniforms, which is never. Okay. So rule number 13, <laughs> no talking about Damian Lillard in other. Right under <laughs> rule number 12, don't tell everyone Tia's wearing sweats. <laughs> hey, I am fully dressed. I'm actually wearing my Trailblazers shirts today. One of many. I say my Trailblazers shirt like I have one, which we all know is a joke. So let's talk about people in different teams' uniforms. You see this transition? This is such a transition It here. is good. We have abandoned preseason now. Notice how I steered yeah. you away from that topic. <laughs> but go ahead. In other you people's did. uniforms, we'll get you back did. to it. Preseason. I mean, do we really want to talk about preseason? No. Well, Zach, I'll mention three things. Go for it. Zach Collins got a non-extension. And how do you feel about this, Dave? <laughs> tell me. Tell me how you feel because I don't want to cry. Well, I mean, it doesn't mean they're not going to re-sign him. No, it doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to resign him, but it starts the doubt. It places seeds of doubt. Well, you just need to listen to his agent, because according to his agent, the Blazers love him. Everyone loves him. He is everything to everyone. So you don't have to worry about Zach, according to his agent. That said, according to what we know, we can't really make a determination off of this, whether they still like him or not, because there are so many variables around his career so far. Injuries are the huge one, but even without the injuries, look, how was he developing? He was doing okay, but he certainly didn't make leaps forward like some of his draft classmates, right? So you don't know still exactly what you've got. You don't know still exactly if he's healthy. You don't know what your team is going to look like next year with so many people on single your contracts and what if harry giles for instance turns out to be the next coming of whomever right then zach's position is more tenuous under those circumstances you don't want to extend him long term the blazers have presuming he goes into restricted free agency the blazers have the right of first refusal on anything that's offered they can keep him if they want they don't want to overcommit or overpay right now with all those variables. Right. They just want to let the market set the rate and match it. And that actually makes a lot of sense. And they would probably do that even if they were fully intending or hoping to keep him. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I lived in a land of darkness when it comes to the business side of basketball for a very long time. And really, just within the last couple years, have I started really paying attention to how this works. In fact, Blazer's Edge was one of the first places I went to try to figure that out. For someone who processes like me, I'm one of these people that if you don't pick up my phone call, I'm going to assume you're dead on the side of the road. I just tend to go to worst possible scenario immediately. I'm like zero to 50 right away. And so when I see something like this, I'm automatically thinking, oh no, we're getting rid of him. We're not going to have him anymore. And, and, you know, my brain goes there and this is making me way more controversial than I ever have been before. You know, I've always been very you know, rah, rah, yay, guys, we love them all. But I'm, I'm noticing the more we talk about this, the more opinions I'm creating. And I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess we'll see. Dave gave me a thumbs up. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. Opinions are great. But look, first of all, you need not walk in darkness anymore. As the book of Isaiah writer says, that the people who are in darkness have seen a great light, right? So, and part of that great light is salary issues. And it's pretty simple in a case like this. It will use your worst case scenario thing. The player wants to 
get paid based on the best case scenario. The team right. has to pay based on the worst case scenario. Usually they meet right. in the middle. Now with many players and all listeners, this is, this is how you can think of this easily. If those two are very close together, as they are with, you know, obviously Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, right. whatever. Best case and worst case are very close. It's not going to be bad. Right. The signing is easy. With Zach, the best case and the worst case are miles apart. Yeah, they're far, that's a big gap. So you want to push off the decision until that narrows. And in this case, the Blazers don't have to make a decision at all. They can just let somebody else make it for him and try to right. sign him, right? Yeah. So that makes, it's, it's completely logical. It's completely the right move. Frankly, it's probably the right move for both parties if Zach believes right. in his own ability. So yeah, it's, we're good. Yeah. You know, Zach is one of those players that I like him. I like Zach as a person. He's someone that I just enjoy watching. As a player, I legitimately forgot he was on our team at the beginning of the season because of preseason. You know, we came out there and there's all this excitement. There's other guys kind of filling in where he was. And I and it was like, we're talking about all these people and someone says Zach and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about him. He's somebody that I really like though. One of the things I love about Zach that is maybe a little outside of what I typically say, but I love that he is a trash talker. I like that he gets on the court and he's got a little bit of attitude and he makes things interesting. It's not towards our guys. You know my issue with that. But he's going to get up in those guys' face, in the other team's faces. He's going to talk a little trash. And I think it's kind of fun. And also, the man's got dance moves. That's legit. He's also got defensive moves. So, I mean, you can love that about it. I agree about the edge, though. I mean, that's one of the things the team kind of needs. Lillard has it if you provoke him. But Lillard is not going to punch down, and neither is C.J. McCollum. And both of them ascertain themselves rightly as pretty high in the pecking order. So they're not going to really come with an edge every night and and punch, right? right? As opposed to, say, a Jimmy Butler, who, if you look at him crossways, will get intense on you, right? So. They don't have that really at the top unless Paul George or Russell Westbrook or Pat Beverly is on the floor. Nurkic, eh, not really either. Okay, so that's your top three kind of just cool customers. Where does it come? And, you know, you hope to see it from Jones through his dunking, uh, Covington through his defense. But where does that explicit rallying come? When when the crab boat is empty and the deckhands are wandering around aimlessly, Who's going to be the guy who gets on the loud hailer and yells at them that they're a bunch of whatevers and we need to go out there and we need to do this no matter what? I don't doubt that the Blazers have that somewhere. It's just not real front and center. Zach could be part of that edge. So, you know, I don't disagree with you. I even think it's important. The problem is in order to do that, you've also got to play because you can't do that from you can't do that as the 12th man. It it just doesn't work. No, yeah, we don't need reverse cheerleaders. We need guys that are going to go and reverse cheerleaders. Like, they, they're not cheering for us. They're, like, cheering against the other guys. That made sense in my mind. <laughs> well, I was wondering what reverse cheerleader. Well, this is a dia, is it? Reverse? I'm, I'm seeing these pyramids coming down to the floor or whatever. That's awesome. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, no, because, you know, cheerleaders are, like, encouraging and happy. And, like, a reverse cheerleader would be, like, talking trash, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, and and the issue is, I think also, and I don't want to speak too much of this because I'm not, I haven't played, I'm not in the NBA, but it's pretty apparent that there's a pecking order, right? And there are, there are different things that allow you to speak. Talent is one, tenure is one, 
money yep. is one, success yep. is one. Yep. Zach has zero of four <laughs> right now. So, but so much sass. <laughs> yeah. So that sass needs some playing time and experience underneath it. So there's something for him to stand on when he proclaims that. Look, I think it's possible, or the Blazers are going to find that somewhere else. Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think as much as it, you know, jumps me immediately to worst case scenario, I think it was a good call on Zach's end. I think it was a good call on Portland's end. I think what you said about that meeting in the middle thing is is a really good way to explain this. And I think it makes a lot of sense in, in that capacity. You know, it would it would surprise me if they let Zach go. I think they'll probably come to some sort of agreement and they'll keep him around. You know, this this kind of thing happens when, when their contracts come to this point. This is not this is not abnormal. So for let all me of ask you, you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. Do you consider that draft of Zach a success? Oh boy, these put me on the spot questions. Well, because you know, um, Donovan Mitchell, for instance, came after a couple other yeah. players did. Bam Adebayo, I believe. I think when you when you think about things like that, you have to say that it wasn't the worst we could have done. It wasn't the best we could have done. It was kind of average for Trailblazers. You know, it wasn't skipping on Michael Jordan, but it also wasn't drafting Damian Lillard. I think it's just kind of one of those moves where it was it wasn't bad. We've we've kept him. He's played for us. He's done things for us. It was not a bad move. But when you look at some of the other people that we maybe could have ended up with that came out and ended up being a surprise, I don't know. I, I think I think we. I, ah, I hate saying that, especially because I like Zach and I like I. I just he's so entertaining and he's so much fun on the bench. You know, this last year with him and Nurk on the bench, they were a blast to watch. When in fact, when when it was time for them to start playing again, it was kind of like, well, can we clone them so that we can keep them on the bench because they're fun. But yeah, I mean, play-wise, it's interesting because I know that I've been so like, well, it's about more than just winning. It's about more than just winning, and I want to be entertained, and I want to see good guys win, and blah, blah, blah. And I, I know I've said all that, but i got to be honest. I'm getting antsy. I'm getting antsy for a win. I'm getting antsy for a championship. And I think when I think about things like that, it was maybe not the best that we've done you know why it's important to establish that for me anyway because actually there's a narrative that's starting to build around you and me that you are just a shiny optimist who will always say a good <laughs> thing and i am the realist pragmatic whatever okay actually we reverse those roles quite a bit but hearing you say that i mean now you guys start to understand the complexity here what happens when you really want something you know some a team to win you want to devote your whole heart and soul to this and yet things go sideways and how do you negotiate that is the question for both of us rather than where you plant your feet in am i optimist am i pessimist or right yeah, yeah and i i tend to think that i am definitely glass half full but i also want i want to win i mentioned this in in an article that we were working on today but my, we just did christmas with my family and one of the gifts that I got was a Trailblazers hat because that tends to be the go-to gift for my family is Trailblazers gear, which is why I have so much of it. But it's, it's great. It's a beautiful hat. I love it. And at the top of it, it says, one-time NBA champions. And my mom just had a laughing fit. She thought it was hilarious. She thought it was a joke. And I was like, no, mom, like, it's not a joke. There are teams who have never won an NBA championship. Like, this is something we're proud of. But there's also a part of me that wants it to say two-time five time, 16 time. Like I just 
I want to be a winning franchise. I'm never going to change the team that I love. I'm here to stay. I mean, I'm 35. I'm stuck in my ways at this point. I just can't bring myself to cheer for another team. And so it would be really nice if the team that I already love could just start winning all the games. I'd really appreciate that. Yeah. Mom, if it was a joke, it would have been summer league champions. <laughs> that would have been the, which actually happened as well, but doesn't, yeah. summer league yeah. champions of the world. We'll take it. We'll take all the wins. I said we won the off season and I am taking that. I'm, I'm going to pretty soon. I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a t-shirt with all of our participation trophies on it. Well, I mean, I suggested that actually to our t-shirt designer people that were <laughs> loosely affiliated with. I suggested Summer League Champions of the World. And uh, <laughs> I like your uh, off-season champions as well, or winners of the yeah. off-season. But they said yeah. sarcastic shirts don't sell as well, actually. I mean, I, so. I'd wear it. My I mom thinks it. my hat's sarcastic, and she's the one that bought it. So <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe that's just you and me, though. <laughs> Sar- oh, sarcasm man. runs deep in the veins. So what would you get the kids for Christmas? There are some scooters. Oh, that... wait. Can you tell? Are there children behind you? No. Or did you already do no. all of it? I haven't done Christmas with them yet. It was just with yeah. my parents because my parents won't be here for Christmas. So, yep, they got scooters. They got, you know, some odds. And my son, my five-year-old is super into Pokemon. So he got some Pokemon stuff. I don't even know the names of any of them. And he's like naming them all off. Um, my littlest one, my almost four-year-old is into trains. So he got trains. Um, my eight-year-old daughter is very much into LOL dolls. She got LOL dolls. You know, the normal. So, crazy. so Pokemon is easy. You yeah. uh, take a, you know, CJ Ellaby, and he morphs into a, a monster dunker uh, with Robin <laughs> Lopez hair uh, and yeah. Carrie Trent Jr. shot. That's like what Pokemon do. Right. Okay. So yeah, you do, you don't like want you don't want the original one. You want to take whatever ball that they have and press the little button and do the thingy. Now I'm getting laughed at now. Uh, <laughs> but once you do the thingy, they become like a better version of themselves. And someday C.J. Ellaby is going to be breathing fire at people, and that's the basic idea. Let's go. With, I, I'm going to try that on Noah and see if that gets him more involved in Blazer basketball because right now one of three is is into it. So I got I got to work a little harder. You know what I got, my kids. Well, What'd at least my older one. I got them blazer clothes, neener, neener. I, you know, I really, my daughter would be thrilled with that. Both of my boys would not even care. It's not their thing. Oh, honey, you don't look good in purple. You need some black and <laughs> red. That's how you look, look good. I'm lucky if I can even get them to put pants on. No, so. <laughs> Okay. Oh, try that with a 13-year-old. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's going to go downstairs like, oh, hey, and buddy. Now, and now we've lost all of our basketball listeners. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. okay. I bet there are people who relate to this. Okay. I bought you shirts for a reason. I actually bought you shirts shorts for a reason love the underwear <laughs> but you know what you need and you know what always it is sitting around in underwear and nothing else it's like oh man dad it's cold well why do you think it's cold <laughs> go I put on your blazer jacket thing. clearly they don't grow up <laughs> clearly they don't grow up okay so preseason dave mm. preseason talk to me about denver <laughs> i made fudge you know what i, I what i made fudge it was, it's good. I Okay. Can I tell you this story? 
Okay. Let me, t- <laughs> Let me tell you, know, you the story. It's been, it's been really good having this Blazers podcast, but we've now shifted to parenting and cooking. Yes, but no. Okay, I got to tell you a story. It's a great story, okay? Okay. Now, when I was a kid, my mom made fudge. This was where my Blazer fandom was born. Same time, right? See, it's loosely related. Same time frame. My mom made the best fudge, okay? Amazing. But um, she died a few years ago, uh, and we looked through her stuff and the recipe wasn't there. I mean, it was gone. And every Christmas I was thinking, you know, this is great, but I missed fudge. I mean, I loved Christmas. I'm, the other things I ate didn't live up. Okay. So right. I was in this small town and this person moved next door and she, I'm a pastor. She joined our church and stuff like that. And, you know, we hit it off and she was great and became congregational president and all this stuff. Right. Anyway, one December day, she knocks on my door. She said, here, I made you something. And I said, great, thanks. And it was a plate of fudge and it was awesome. And I shut the door and I came in and I ate it. I took my first bite and I nearly dropped the plate. And I turned and I ran out that door across the street and caught her. I said, stop, 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 stop. Where did you get the recipe for this? And she was like, well, I don't know. I just have it at home. Please, may I have this recipe? She said, sure. It's just off the back of some chocolate chip, whatever, from the 40s. (laughs) And it's like, I've rediscovered. So now every Christmas, because of that chance encounter, I make like eight batches of my mom's fudge. And it was, it's really awesome. And it's like this and, you know, the blazers are going and it's just like the perfect time of year. So I I really appreciate that. Anyway, thank you for letting me share my wonderful fudge story. What was your question? was my question preseason i mean do we even want to go there at this point yeah that's such a happy nice heartfelt warm story do we really want to talk about how badly Uh, we lost i watched those two denver games and i said what the fudge i mean it's basically it's just like (laughs) uh it it was bringing it back around day i didn't plan on that but you set me up so uh yeah, it, it was. Well, maybe we should talk about those games off air. I think I this is Blazers Edge is a family side, not we, we N- might, yeah. NSFW let's, let's, uh, uh, discussions here. Okay, let's just leave it at this. It's preseason. Everybody relax. <laughs> oh, We're gonna be okay. Dia gets to bring it back. Oh, you know, just one win and one win or good stuff. And everybody's going, it's just preseason. Now the Blazers lay an egg in Denver, get down by 40. Can't play defense. Uh, Nurkic looks like he's carrying a wheelbarrow full of sludge all around the court. And nobody can connect up to him. Remember we talked about this? This is one of the things we should say. Do you remember a few podcasts ago? We said, if Nurkic isn't the connecting point, this isn't going to work. And yep. he very much wasn't. And Cantor wasn't either because he's not the same thing and it all fell apart so i'm not saying it's just nurk there were other things going on there but portland fans better hope that nurkic plays and plays well otherwise this thing is going to spiral downward quickly i think we should just leave it alone i think we should just walk away from this now it's one of those things that i struggle to balance because when we're doing well like we did in those first two games it's like yes guys we're doing so well this is gonna be great it's gonna be a great season and then when we suck it's like but it's just preseason. we're gonna be fine like this doesn't matter and it's hard for me to wrap my brain around the fact that like they are very aware of the fact that it's preseason. they don't want to get hurt 
They don't want to play in such a way that they're, you know, this doesn't count for anything. And if anything, it's really a way to get the bugs worked out. You know, we've talked about all this stuff before. So I'm trying not to stress about the fact that we lost so badly twice. Yeah, it's not the loss. Um, The manner is part of it, but even that you can chalk up. I wish you had seen some of the timeout looks that were going on. Looks of the players. There were some, I don't want to say exactly dead eyes, but you know that look where it's like, A, I can't believe this is happening. B, I want to get out of here. C, what the heck? That was that was like all over the place there. And at a certain point, it's preseason, so you just give it up. If anything is worrisome, I would say Nurk's play and that kind of thing, because you know it will take the Blazers some adjustment in the regular season. They haven't played together with this lineup much at all right. period right? right so i mean the warm-up you know training camp and uh preseason is it so they're going to face situations like this obviously they're gonna have to dig down and overcome them if they want to start the season well so i hope that happens and that's probably about what we need to say about that um it's not as bad as denver looked but it's probably not as good as people had hoped when these moves were announced yeah i you know i think i think it doesn't the win loss record in preseason doesn't matter how they play does obviously that's going to show you know how they're meshing how things are going so so that's a little scary that being said i also think it's important to remember that last season the nba shut down these guys had a big gap of time where they didn't play it probably the biggest gap in their lives of not playing and then they picked things back up and went into a bubble where there was no home court advantage. There was no traveling. They were just stuck there. And then the bubble's over. They go home. That things are, you know, everybody's trying to get into this new groove with COVID still going on, trying to find, you know, their way in, in all of this. And then they have to pick up and travel. We didn't travel for the first two preseason games. For the second two, we did. And again, you know, it's one of those things where this is going to be part of the season. There's going to be traveling. So they're going to have to figure it out. I want to just put it out there that that has to have had an impact after not traveling for so long. It, it, it takes a toll. And so I'm going to just go ahead and say, once again, these guys do well under pressure. They do well when they're the underdog. They do well when people count them out, and they do well after they've not done well. So a lot of times we'll have a rough time, we'll have a rough series, we'll have a rough whatever, and then we'll come back because they don't like people thinking that they're struggling. And so, I mean, I don't know if that's what they're thinking, but in my mind, you know, they struggle and they don't they they come back from that strong. So my hope is that they're getting all the bugs out, they're they're figuring this out, and we're going to go into the season and and we're going to play well. Two thoughts in response. One is defensive scheme also has something to do with it and the change it. Yes. And they are changing it. Yes. And look, Nurkic is no longer the backstop. He's no longer just going to ice down in the lane, stay at home all the time. And that means the perimeter players can't rely on him as heavily. And they right. instinctively have. And for this on the center for years, right? Back to Robin Lopez, basically. Yep. Uh, so and, you know, Mason Plumley, all that. Nurk is not going to be there to bail them out. They've got to take more responsibility. That said, there's also more responsibility on Nurkic because he has to be mobile. If you see Nurkic walking on the defensive end of the court or, God forbid, standing on the defensive end of the court, they're done. 
because yep. he has to get out to the perimeter. He has to kind of get back into shade and help and to rebound. He has to chase his man. He has to guard screens. There's a lot more movement required of Nurkic now, even though some of his middle responsibilities have shifted to other players. And if he doesn't do it, it won't work. The other yeah. thing is with the bounce back thing. Okay. Yes, I agree with you. But this is also part of the disease, I think, that the Blazers have to overcome in their culture if they really want to win. Because you can't lose three and then get counted out and then win five. Because right. the winning five looks great, but you're five and three. You've got to lose one and win six if you really right. want to matter. Uh, and I don't mean that you have to, people go, you can't keep up that percentage all season. I know that, but you get my right. point. And yeah. Blazers need to take control over their story and make other people respect them instead of saying, well, people don't respect me, so I'm going to go out and win now. People still won't respect you because at the end of the day, what they look at is not how many winning streaks you rattled off. It's how well you did compared to the Lakers and Clippers and other teams that you're playing against. Yeah, I'm hopeful that we're going to get into that. You know, I think that's always the goal. And I think that's their goal. And I think, again, you know, this year we've got the pieces in place to start to see that happen, whereas I don't think that's really been there recently in the recent history so that kind of takes us into the season you know we're getting ready to start here wednesday we've got yeah, today as people hear this yeah. this is coming out on wednesday so tonight the season starts ready or not here we come let's talk about this first 10 games what do you think where are we looking i mean do we even want to talk about this do we want to talk about what our record will be with the first 10 games we'll run them down for us if you can do you have the list yeah here? sure i've got the list so wednesday we are playing the jazz at portland yeah i don't think you know what let's stop right there I'm, I don't know how much the ats matter. I know that the, the travel does matter. I, I'll give you that, right? And the games are somewhat compacted in certain stretches, but there's no crowd. So I'm waiting to see right. how home court gets affected here. Is it just a travel rest thing or is it also an arena crowd thing? And I think this will be an interesting case study. So I think it's okay, at least for the first 10, to just do opponents. Okay, so we've got Jazz, Rockets, Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Warriors again, Bulls, Timberwolves, Kings, and Raptors. That's pretty close to 500, isn't it? I mean, like if you would just run expected, I mean, the, the Timberwolves are kind of a toss up. You don't know their new look, right? But there are a lot of teams that you know are very good in there. There are a couple teams that you suspect might be pretty bad in there. Uh, sorry, Kings. Love you. I mean, the Warriors, I guess, could be another variable, but you'd expect them to be at least decent enough to threaten the Blazers one and one. There's a legit chance that after 10 games, Portland, even playing well, could be at 500. So I shouldn't say 10 out of 10? That's okay. that's not realistic? <laughs> You should. I should have asked you first. <laughs> how many? Okay, Dia, how many of the first 10 games will the Blazers win? I mean, 10. Duh. Let's just, you know, be optimistic here. No, you know, I think I, I, I giving myself this reputation of being unrealistic. But the fact of the matter is I can be optimistically realistic. Is that a thing? Yes, I'm of course. Optimistic. Optimistic. Yeah. There we go. Your Dia. The Lakers obviously are going to be a challenge, but we've proven that we can beat them in one game. That's one game against the Lakers, not a big deal. Clippers, same thing. 
you know, the Warriors, the Warriors are kind of a wild card here to me because last year people actually kind of forgot the Warriors existed. Like this year going into this year with Steph being healthy again, you know, people are talking about rankings and things. And I kept hearing people say, oh, I forgot about the Warriors. You know, they were just kind of off the grid. And I think that coming back from that kind of an injury that takes you out for that long, even someone as incredible as Steph Curry, it's, it's a toss up. I mean, he could come back and be exactly how he was. He could come back and be better, but he also could come back and struggle. I think the Warriors are a toss up. I think they could be a contender. I think they could not be a contender. So I think that's kind of a toss up. So you've got that team there. Who's really kind of, in the middle in Golden State. You've also got a team in the middle in Minnesota. You've got two really good teams. Well, three if you count the Raptors, although, you know, you know, who knows? So look, maybe it's better to go with the range. If the Blazers come out of that seven and three, they're doing, I think, extremely well. I think the ones to watch, you know, the Lakers are a challenge, the Clippers are a challenge. But the rest of them, I'm not too worried about. And honestly, I'm not even worried about those. It's hard for me not to be optimistic, Dave. It's hard for me to look at this. And the key here is I can look at any one of these individual games and be like, yeah, we can beat them. Because the fact of the matter is we can. We can beat every single team in the NBA in one game. Absolutely. I have no doubt about that. We are absolutely a contender. We absolutely are just as good as some of these other teams when it comes to beating them in one game. The, the test is going to be, can we win game after game after game after game? Can we win against the Clippers two days after we just played the Lakers? Can we, you know, in a seven-game series, push it to seven games and, and, and win four of them or in less? I mean, ideally, obviously. I think that's where this comes into play. The Trailblazers are a good team. We have a lot of talent. We have a lot of skill, and I truly believe that there is not a team in the NBA that we are not capable of beating. It's just a matter of can we do it night after night after night after night. Yeah, I mean, there are really four levels to this. There's expect to lose. This is where the Warriors were last year. This is where the Kings are most season, right? There's hope to win. You're an emerging team, and you hope you do well, and it's an entertaining game tonight, right? Then there's kind of think you can win. That's about where the Blazers are now. In any given game, you can win it. That's not a contender, but that's not a bad team. When you really are a legitimate contender, you expect to win. You are surprised when you lose. Not that it doesn't happen. It does. And there have been some seasons like this. You look at the schedule and you go, well, that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. That's a win. And you realize you've counted out 20 wins, (laughs) you know, and then you go, okay, well, I got to find some losses in here instead of finding the wins. That's what I do every season. (laughs) I do this every season all the time. I, you give me any schedule, any year of the trailblazers. And I'm going to go through that list and be like, yep, we're going to win this. 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 Wait, we can't be undefeated. Like I, this, this is how my brain works. It's not that I'm unrealistic. It's just the fact that when you're looking at one isolated game, you can look at that and say, yeah, we can do that. We can win that. But then when you... <laughs> Sorry, it just occurred to me. You're just, you take a dating profile approach to this. Yeah, <laughs> on any given date, I am great. <laughs> a long-term relationship, I have issues. <laughs> but <laughs> on any given night, oh yeah, I am your dream date. <laughs> and it's like, uh, we know how that turns out. Do we? Do we know how that 
well, no, I, I shouldn't presume know. to know how it turns out with you. I'm, I'm just maybe, abstracting that. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the one. This maybe is this maybe one. we're maybe we get married to this one. I'm just saying. <laughs> get married to this season. Okay, this so, might be the year. Okay, so promising signs. They're having things in common. It's going to go well in the first ten games. You get the little Twitter painted thing. If they're seven and three. All right. A disaster. Call your emergency friend to text you about something so you can get out of there if they're three and seven. Anywhere in between, I think we have to wait and see. Three and seven? That is not going to happen, Dave. Well, I know. That's why. But, you know, you need to have that friend with your you need have a friend you can text to, to get you out of there anyway. So well, just in case, we've got to be safe. Let's just, it's not going to be three. Dating. Let's just not do that. That's right. Um, seven and three, three and seven. Those are the polls for me anyway. And they'll probably end up somewhere in between those two. I'm guessing. I think I'm going with seven and three. Maybe better. Maybe better. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Maybe better. My my like this could really work is your like this is the minimum I will accept. <laughs> this is where the optimist you can't break this. I I can't. It I'm can't not, be I wouldn't it. dream of it. It's great. <laughs> like like the oh. Blazers are eight and two and Diaz going, yeah, that's pretty much what I expect. It's pretty good. <laughs> Come on, guys, get that ex- pick it up. Oh no way aren't you nine and one? <laughs> I've got high expectations. I've got high expectations. High expectations is good. I like it. Speaking of high expectations, there is some talk right now about Dame as the MVP. And it's interesting because, I mean, Dame's our MVP. He always has been, always will be. (laughs) Who said it? Um, Who said it? Looks like it was Steve Smith. It's our Steve Smith. And he's not the only one. I've seen this. I've seen this circulating. I've seen talk about it. I mean, you always see Blazers fans talking about it. But the fact of the matter is, the all these rankings are starting to come out. You know, the 10 best players, Bleacher Report, 10 best players, Dame's number nine. Nine, I think. There was another one that came out that was ranking, you know, the. did you see the one about the GMs, the GM poll that they took that asked mm-hmm. if you have a clutch shot or a, a I don't know how they worded it. Um, who do you want taking it? And Dame won the vote amongst GMs. And and so he's getting some recognition. I have mixed feelings. Personally, I think MVP is an interesting category because you can be the best player in the league. And in my opinion, that doesn't make you the MVP. The MVP to me is not just the most talented. It's the one that the team needs the most and the one that makes the biggest difference on their team. And for a team like Portland, if you take Dame out of Portland, Portland is no longer a contender. But with Dame, they are. And I think that in and of itself is huge when it comes to the MVP. Obviously, I am insanely biased and will never say otherwise. I think he should be in those talks of of MVP. And, you know, if we do well, if we end up in one of the top seeds, I think it's realistic. I think he realistically could end up with that. Yeah, I think that's what would have to happen. This debate, of course, has had every time the MVP voting comes around. Is it best player in the league? Is it most valuable to their team? Is it some hybrid of the two? Dame will always be in that bridesmaid category because he's popular, he's skilled, and he puts up great numbers. And by the way, Portland's profile has risen over the last couple years since he's been just all world level. But in order for him to really win it, the Blazers would have to shock the world. 
I think they'd have to be best record in the West or at least second best record in the West. They, he'd have to be scoring huge if they're second or third or something. Uh, you know, if he if he averages 40 points a game, he's always going to be in contention. I don't think that'll be good for the Blazers. Even if he averages 35, he'll certainly be talked about if the Blazers win. I'm not sure he can do it averaging 35 if the Blazers lose. And that's the bar. And that's not true, by the way, of every player. Giannis does that. LeBron does that. They're immediately in the conversation. Steph does that. He's instantly a favorite, right? Dame will need wins to accompany him, right? So um, I I think that is possible. It's a lot to ask to have him have the combination of really high stats and the Blazers to have really high wins because I'm not sure that's what this team is built around right now. Yeah, and and honestly, I have mixed feelings about Dame even being mentioned for this right now, you know, and call me superstitious. Uh, I think when it comes to this, I probably am a little superstitious, but when the media starts giving the Blazers accolades, we tend to struggle. (laughs) And when we are the underdog and people are overlooking us, we tend to do well. So anytime the media starts to, I say the media, I mean, we talk about it all the time too, but anytime people start to give these guys credit and start to say how good they're going to be. I start to bite my fingernails a little bit and think, uh Oh, we, uh, we can't get comfortable here. That's not my superstition. I have the other one that afflicts Blazers fans is that the last two and maybe at least two and a half times the team has really played well and started to gel. Okay. That would have been Nurkic, in uh, heading into the 2019 playoffs when they were playing the most beautiful basketball they had played for more than a decade, almost two decades, and then Nurkic gets injured. You have LaMarcus Aldridge getting his thumb injury just before he departed on a team that many thought was going to contend at least go to the conference finals, if not maybe take a finals space. I didn't think that highly of those teams, but many of our colleagues at Blazers Edge and other people around Portland did. Right. Obviously, you have the Brandon Roy saga. So every time the Blazers actually start playing well as a team, some bad happens. <laughs> so I'm kind of whistling past the graveyard on this one going, yeah, yeah OK, let's see them and let's see if they play well. And I'm not going to mention I'm never going to say this is the best they've played in X number of years, because every time they do that, the injury bug breaks my heart. Yeah, I don't think of myself as being superstitious about anything, but it turns out when it comes to the Blazers, I'm superstitious about... I'm one of those people that when they win, I start thinking, well, what did I wear? Well, what did I do? What did I eat for lunch? Like, I actually had something to do with it. I remember those days. Oh, my gosh. Okay, back when Sabonis was playing, okay, (laughs) I would be like on a game day, I would not wear anything but Blazers colors. And if I couldn't manage that, God forbid, I would wear any color associated with the other team. I mean, down to, I I remember clearly getting ready to go running and going, oh my gosh, I'm wearing the wrong underwear. I can't do this. (laughs) And this is TMI. This is more information than Blazers Edge podcast listeners wanted. David and Dia, here you go. But like literally, I've got to turn around. And I've got, I mean, it hit me half a block down the road. I wasn't going to change them then. But it's like, if I work out and put in all this effort and put all this energy into this, I'm wearing the opposing team's colored underwear, bad things are going to happen. So I turned around, went back, changed, and went running. Okay, so 
superstition like and sports are friends. Do you have any particular ones that you do? Do you have any rituals or things you've got to do? It's opening night of the season. Will you be doing anything special? No, I mean, for me, I always wear Blazers gear, always. There have been times where I haven't done it for whatever reason, and I will actually start to feel guilty, like I caused us to struggle. <laughs> um, the other thing is is just watching. If I miss a game, if I'm not watching it and they lose, I legitimately think, what was I doing that was so important that I couldn't watch this game and make them win? And vice versa, if I don't watch a game and they happen to win, then I really struggle with, do I watch the next one or do I not? So it's, it's funny because it's not really things that I think of consciously, but they come out in, in just my regular viewing habits. Yeah, myself, I try to stay out of the danger zone, which is I can do the media. I'm covering this. I'm analyzing this. I kind of don't give a crap and don't invest that much emotionally. Love good plays. Love it that they win. But, you know, I'm here to work and to enjoy the team on that level. And I can do that just fine. And then they play well. Or every once in a while, they'll do something or get in a situation where you can't help but emotionally invest. And I'm really into it. And then they do well, usually. But it's the middle zone where you think you kind of want to give a crap and you're like edging out into that and they inevitably slam the door on me. Like I have to stay either turned off or turned on nowhere in between. And that's like my life. So like people will watch me or read the, it's funny because when, when that emotional trigger gets hit, for instance, my extended recaps get really different. I don't know if you noticed that. And people tend to like it actually, but they have to earn that. You know, I, I, I think I give good recaps anyway. I think they're enjoyable reads and whatever, but every once in a while they will do something where you cannot help but recap the moment or the environment or situation instead of just the game. And I love situations like that. So yeah, I, I'm like zero or a hundred, nowhere in between. I didn't know that there was anything less than a hundred personally. I, I just, there's no, there's no middle ground for me. There's no, and, and even that, I mean, there've been times where I've watched a game and I haven't been feeling good or it's been a weird day or whatever. And I just, I'm a little more subdued, not completely, even on my worst day, I am not completely subdued. Even things like that, I'm a little bit superstitious about. I, I, I just, there is no middle ground for me and there is no calm ground for me. It is a hundred or above. There is nothing less when it comes to blazers for me. I, I, it's probably unhealthy. I probably need counseling. Well, on opening, no, you're, you're fine. <laughs> uh, on, on opening night, it's got to be a hundred, right? I mean, look, this is legitimately one of the best days of the calendar year, right? I mean, yeah. there's this Christmas Day, first game of the playoffs, and any game where they win a playoff series, right? right? Those are the big four. Now, if they ever make it to the finals again, that will obliterate all of them. Every finals, yeah. the, the ent when they make it to the finals again, <laughs> um, if we want to cut, rewind, do that, when they make it to the finals again... <laughs> Come uh, on, Dave. Give me that. Every day, off days, everything is just magic as long as it feels like they have a chance. Oh, which is, of course, the entire series, uh, right? But uh, right. so you get two straight weeks of that buzz, best day of the year. But th those are the big four for me. Opening day, Christmas, uh, first game of the playoffs, no matter what, and any game day they win a playoff series. Yeah, it's exciting. It's it's really exciting. I can't believe we're here. I, it's it's 
it's just, oh, I love basketball so much. We should probably we wrap not- this up. Once again, we've gone, we're like, well, we're going to shoot for 45 minutes. That went out the window right. like podcast one because blah, 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 blah. Uh, I know. <laughs> it, just, it does. It does. It helps when it gets edited down a little bit. But you don't get much edited uh, down. We, we You lose three minutes tops and it's usually yeah. sneezing or something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this goes by so fast. Was there anything else on our list that we got to talk about besides our challenge? Had, the only other thing was we've had some correspondence from people. I don't know if you want to talk about that now or if we want to hold off on that. Let's do it next week because this was just okay. packed. Okay. Yeah we, yeah. we have a couple questions from people. You can send those in to blazersub at gmail.com. That's blazer as in the team, S U B as in substitute at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Dave Deckard. Yeah. At Deandra Ann with way more A's and way more N's. Think of it like <laughs> banana, like kind of shuffled, and you'll get it right. If you don't think you have a lot of A's and N's, you won't get Dia's uh, Twitter <laughs> right. Right? I really, really enjoy that interaction. I I love the, the back and forth on Twitter. I think that's something that will be fun for us moving forward to kind of pull in some of those comments and interactions that we have. I would like to do some of that. So yeah, I would really encourage that. In you fact, know. we have a challenge for you, right? Are you yeah. ready? Shall we let them know? Okay. I, it makes me a little nervous, but I'm yeah, interested. I don't know, if, I don't know if we even come close to hitting it, but we'll see. Listeners, you can, we'll you can help us. We're willing to do this. One of the things that we want to do down the road is see, we're zooming this. We can see each other, which really actually helps the podcast because I can see Dia knocking back whatever alcoholic beverage she's drinking right now. It's not alcohol, <laughs> it's, it's pop. Well, soda, do, yeah, whatever okay. you call it. Dia, what? Okay, first of all, is it pop or soda in your world? Oh, I call it pop because I grew up in Oregon. Yeah, exactly. But in California, they don't know what the heck you're talking about when you say pop. So I, I try to adjust and call it soda. Wow. Okay. Well, I can go either way, but pop is instinctive. Also, yep. that's it. We're doing this on Zoom, and which means we can see each other. But it also means since we can record on Zoom, guess what? We can bring other people in to talk as well. Now, someday we might have guests if we ever leave two minutes that we don't feel talking to each other on the podcast <laughs> so we could have a guest. But right. we're willing to invite some of you. We'd love to invite some of you to be our guests. We'd come on for a couple minutes, ask a question, do whatever, banter. That would be great. We're not ready quite to do that yet, but we will accelerate it. We will accelerate it to within the next couple of weeks if on this opening day podcast, you will do this for us. We would love to see 50, that's 5 zero. We're not going to make it easy because it's going to be a little difficult for us logistically. But if you give us 50 five zero retweets on the Blazer's Edge tweet of this podcast, tell your friends and neighbors to retweet it too, and 25 comments from distinct accounts. Okay, I did not one person commenting 25 times. Sorry, Dia's mom. It's, you, know, <laughs> you, you count as one person. But uh, 25 distinct comments, 50 retweets. I know it's a lot to ask. But if you do this within the next week or two, we will line up you guys to come on and be a part of the co- podcast. And we podcast? Or are we fishing show now? Podcast. And uh, I mean, we've hit parenting. We've hit cooking. We Why did not? talk about crabbing and <laughs> fudge and <laughs> Santa and <laughs> everything Dia's getting for kids. Okay. Anyway, uh, if you do that for us. We will happily have you on. See if you can make that happen. Let's see how many we can get, and we will grow together. Anything, I'm a any- little afraid of this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, we might get three retweets, and that's okay, too. 
I'm not afraid of that. I'm afraid of people actually seeing this conversation because it gets a little crazy. Well, I mean, but that's <laughs> you are perfectly sane. You are perfectly you are the normal one among us. You are well balanced at whatever. I Is will this admit normal? that the, the crazy comes from me. I'm not <laughs> going to call her yet. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> I'm not at all putting this on the other side of the camera or the computer here. But crazy happens on this podcast, and I think it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 crazy fun. It's uh, there we go. It's a hundred percent serious though, so I can't even play it off like it's not. But I think it's a fun thing. You know, one of the things that I just love about this podcast is the conversation that we have. It's not we never intended for this to be statistics or you know anything like that. This is what it was intended to be. It was intended to be a conversation. Um, it was intended to be something that anybody who loves the Blazers could jump in and catch on to and be a part of. And I think moving forward, it'll be really fun to kind of pull some people in and have some conversations. I, I like the idea of this being listener driven and, and interactive. I think that'll be really cool. So I, I appreciate the, you know, the conversations that are already happening on Twitter and, and on, you know, social media and the blog and everything. I, it's, it's really been a lot of fun. And you heard it here from Dia folks. We don't care about statistics, but we are counting your retreats. So, I mean, <laughs> those are the stats that we just this time, just knows, this time. Yeah, who knows how many assists Damian Lillard got? You don't need to know that, but tell me how many <laughs> retweets I got. <laughs> oh, man, this was a terrible idea. <laughs> and with that terrible idea, we will see you next week. Uh, on Thursdays is usually when this comes out. We know we're on Wednesday this week. You can catch us at Dave Deckard or at Deandra Ann on Twitter at Blazers Edge, of course. And for Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard. It was enjoyable to have you along and go Blazers. This has been Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge production. Find more basketball talk at BlazersEdge.com. Watch your step as you exit, and we hope to see you again soon. Dave and Dia, what is that? A Swedish skin cream company?